Hey everybody and welcome to Comics and Cinema. I'm your host Alex Klein and today we've got a pretty exciting show for you guys. We are talking to you from the past and by we I mean me and our good friend Kevin. Kevin welcome to the show. Thanks for having me Alex. Yeah, of course. Uh, so we're going to be talking again. We are we are talking through the time stream. We are pre-recording this. We've got some vacations coming up, but I wanted to get this episode out the uh, week of Thor Love and Thunder coming out, which is uh, so we're basically recording a week and a half behind. So who knows what's going to happen in this next week? But all I hope for is that neither of us get spoiled uh by this movie at all and i've been doing pretty good so far this this movie before we get into it feels a lot different than dr strange in terms of i mean i haven't heard any and they had the premiere that was on thursday and i have not seen any talk about this movie which is great yeah i i definitely feel the expectations are much different because i i the connotations of multiverse of madness like what that could mean and then obviously once with no way home with all the rumors of all the additional spider-man happening in there you know it like it builds up all these expectations and all these leaks and everything of like and rumors and whatnot and i feel like we haven't had too many of those for thor just generally speaking like we haven't had too many leaks and things like that and then yeah just like the nature of the film just doesn't feel not that it won't be big it just doesn't feel as like oh this could be like a big thing you to the extent that Dr. Strange was or wasn't, you know, like it doesn't have that, that weight around it, you know? So I feel like people maybe are less like inclined to like be finding all the, the little details that are going to be happening in this beforehand. Yeah. And I, I wonder if the multiverse itself is a piece of that, because I feel like the craziest leaks came from Doctor Strange and Spider-Man, which both had that multiverse sort of thing, because I think with the multiverse, it's like what other actors are going to show up in this movie. And, right. that, and that's like the beginning of the hunt. But then you uncover all the other spoilers and that all gets spoiled. Uh, but none of that's taking place in this movie. So I think people are kind of just either they're sitting on it or they're tired of being spoiled and finally catching up with the rest of us and not bothering with it. But um, the other thing I wanted to bring up as well, Kevin, is uh, I was thinking last night and I told you about this. So pardon me saying it again, but um, I, like I said, I've scheduled out my shows now for probably the next couple months. I have I've got, almost got the full year planned out and Obi-Wan Kenobi never fit into that algorithm. Uh, and I don't know why. I, I, well, we're going to find out why here and shortly in just a second. But I thought to myself, oh, well, maybe I can just record another episode of it. But I said, eh. I don't think I'd have a lot to talk about, and I don't know if I'm in the minority of that, but I figured we could kick off this <laughs> Thor episode, uh, Thor comic book episode, talking a little bit about Obi-Wan Kenobi. For those of you that are, are fans of the show, who have watched the show uh, one way or another, uh, I'm a huge Star Wars fan, and I think you are too, Kevin. And this, uh, like I said, we won't spend too much time on it because uh, I've always been of the motto, if you don't have anything nice to say, to not say anything at all. And I do have a few nice things to say about this show. Um, but to start off just by saying that, um, and it looks like Kevin Kevin really didn't like the show, um, which is fine. Like I said, I'm, I'm leaning into that path as well. Um, and I'll, I'll pull him back in here now. Welcome back, Kevin. Um, I was letting everyone know, I think you hated the show based on you just bailing the minute we started talking <laughs> about it. Uh, no pressure. Uh, but so what I was going to do is we'll just do a quick, I'll, I'll, not even a synopsis. For those of you that have seen it, um, I'll, brief spoilers. I mean, there's there's really no spoilers in this except for one spoiler. If you've seen the first episode of the show, 
Um, I, I just want to get some thoughts off my chest on it so that it's recorded. But that, again, I don't feel the need of spending an entire thing on it, which is ironic because I was not a, I was not like a super fan of Book of Boba Fett. But I still saw fit to have a whole episode on that. And we had Brian on and we talked for almost two hours about that show. Talking with Brian, re-watching that show, I was like, wow, this this is a really good show. I liked it a lot. Still not as much as like Mando, but um, it was good. It was really good. Um, but when I watched Obi-Wan, I only watched each of the episodes once. I felt no need to go back and watch them again. Uh, I did go back and re-watch the Darth Vader pulling the ship from the sky uh, just because I was like, did I miss something there? Because I felt not even impressed by that. And it it was kind of the same when I saw it a second time. And I think part of that is because the CGI was a little eh, uh, from the ship, which is the one area of CGI in Star Wars that you need to get right. Like, I don't care if your aliens look a little weird, like the ships need to look real. And that scene coupled with them taking off afterwards and looking fake as they flew into space too. I was just like, I don't know. This, this show really disappointed me. And I, I think that's because back in the day when they first announced even Disney, but even before Disney plus was announced um, and Jason Aaron was kind of uh, is funny enough. Maybe that's our tie in. Jason Aaron was writing the star Wars series for comics uh, for Marvel. And it was a big deal. The first issue sold over a million copies uh, and he would pepper in these from the journals of Obi-Wan Kenobi. And they were these little one issue stories of things that he was up to during that time on Tatooine. And so that was around like 2014, 2015. And I was like, man, that would be a really cool movie. I was like, I, I would honestly love to see what Obi-Wan Kenobi was doing. I was like, you know, Ewan McGregor, uh, he's still young enough where, you know, you wouldn't really need to do any de-aging because he's kind of getting into that Obi-Wan Kenobi age of that time. I was like, this just, it feels like it makes sense. You got Hayden Christensen, all this stuff. And then when they announced the show, I was like, see, like they, they knew it too. Like they knew that there were still some things, some stories to tell. And it turns out though, and I'll get your opinion on this. I just don't think that there was a story to tell, or maybe I, I don't know where they thought the story was. Cause to me, the whole, the whole idea of this six episode series was he's supposed to be watching Luke. Leia gets kidnapped in order to get to him, to get to Kenobi himself uh, he rescues Leia, brings her back to Alderaan, confronts Darth Vader in the process, and nothing changes. And I'm curious, uh, again, before I dive into any serious nitpicks, what was your thoughts on the show overall? I thought it had its moments. Um, I thought bits and pieces here and there were pretty good. Um, I definitely felt by the end that, at least for me as... I know enough of the Star Wars series, but I know we have other listeners and friends who were like, this is like their lifeblood and everything. Obviously, we have Babu's freaking podcast uh, yeah. here on the network. Um, and like, for me, I felt, at least in the final episode, we were getting to parts where I was like trying to um, do like some mental gymnastics with the continuity of like, especially in, in like the final episode where like Luke is running away from um, Reva. I'm like, okay, so did he not see her as an Inquisitor? Like, he's, like, going up the thing, but she's there with the lightsaber, and then I feel like in A New Hope, he's like, oh, a lightsaber, like, I've only, like, heard of this. Uh, so I'm like, did he not see... I, I don't know, like, think, small things like that, just, like, I mean, I could be totally wrong. I mean, I haven't seen A New Hope in a while, so... But, like, yeah, I just felt like there were just, like, some mental gymnastics that they were trying to... They were definitely fitting in a in a, in a small portion of the continuity that, like, has a very clear 
we know what happens in episode three and we know what happens in episode four with Ben and Luke and everything like that, you know? So it was like, they were trying to, it felt at times like they were trying to make something out of like a round thing into a square hole, you know, a little bit to an extent. So great example. um, Yeah. So, um, I mean, I definitely felt it had some moments and then like, like jokingly, like I felt like a lot of, us were saying like they never did the helicopter with the yeah with the the, they didn't do helicopters with the uh, inquisitor lightsabers like i mean missed opportunity just have like some fun or whatever i don't know but um that aside yeah it's like it was okay i i watched some of the episodes again after my initial rewatch because i usually watch them in the morning and who knows how awake i was but um yeah it was like it was okay i definitely i definitely felt by the end i was like i'm ready for mandalorian early next year yeah yeah and I, I wonder if a piece of that too was the stakes are so low in the show and it's they know the stakes are low and, and it's like they they tried to come up with random stakes in each episode and none of them landed for me it was like no okay like leia's captured oh no but we know she's gonna make it out like we know every single main character in this series makes it out by the end of it because they all show up and so it was like, oh, well, then let's kill this random side character like Tala. And it was like, cool. Well, you know, I liked her a lot, mm. but I certainly didn't develop an emotional connection to her because, again, I was assuming anyone who was not the top build people that they were going to die in the show because they had to have some stakes. I will say when I watched the first episode, um, I got super emotional while I was watching it just because I was like, wow, here we are. We're back. Uh, which bummed me out because it immediately took me out of it too during the scene where she's being chased by uh, the Red Hot Chili Peppers. And um, I just, again, I I liked seeing Leia, but I'm just, I think I've gotten to a saturation point with the Skywalker saga. And I think that is 100% Lucasfilm's fault, but I really tried. Like I, I enjoyed the sequel trilogy quite a bit. But once Rise of Skywalker was over, I was like, I'm done. Like, I I think that was a perfect ending. Let's move on to some new ground where we have real stakes. And so I was very curious coming into this of like, what are they going to do? And it turns out there's not much they could do or wanted to do. And so seeing Leia again was nice. But at the same time, it was an immediate eye roll for me because I'm like, ah, here we go. Here's like, if we can't see Luke during this season, we're going to see Leia. Like, did you forget that the Skywalkers are a part of this universe? And um, I, so I'll say, so we don't keep, stay too long on it. I loved, um, I loved Ewan McGregor. I thought was fine in the role. He wasn't. He got better as the episodes went on too, as he kind of rekindled his his uh, connection to the Force. I thought Hayden Christensen was completely underutilized, and that really bummed me out. We only get to see him really once, which is in flashback format. Uh, and and to their credit, too, I know a lot of people were like, they didn't even de-age him in the you know Attack of Clones. But I was like, honestly, we're not getting to see him. That's fine. Like, I want to make sure that he's doing okay at his current age, and it looks like he, he looks great. He's doing great. Glad to see that. We see a little bit of his mask uh, when it, you know, it, gets, it gets knocked off. That final fight I thought was great. Um, a good, really good fight, obviously, you know, I don't know if it's budget or what, but like, let's make the whole fight at night. I'm not a fan of that trope either because you can't see anything, but it was cool to see the lightsabers kind of the red and the blue again, the, the classic lightsaber colors that we've grown to love. There's just a lot of nostalgia in this show that, um, I think had there not been any other star Wars content released, if, if this had come out uh after episode three or something like that way back when this would have been awesome but i feel like now we have just been so treated to 
here's a secret connection to this thing, or here's a little connection that's a really big deal. But then now they're just bludgeoning us in the face with here's really obvious connections. And it's like the obvious stuff doesn't do it for me. I'm a, I'm bigger. Like the biggest thing that excited me in this was seeing the, and I'm, I swear that's what it was, the uh, Light of the Republic logo uh, in mm. the, um, the path, which is part of what it was too. I mean, they called it the path in the Light of the Jedi book. Uh, during the High Republic, that was the symbol for the High Republic, and so I was like, "Whoa, are we gonna have some like ancient Jedi's in here, or something like that?" Never happened, but that was where I got the most excited. Um, so yeah, like I said, uh, doesn't to me doesn't deserve full episodes of my time to explain it. Uh, it was decent enough if you're a fan of Star Wars, check it out at least. Just really had going with like the lowest expectations is what I would say, because then you might enjoy it. Agreed. Awesome. Well, let's pivot and get to the good stuff. So our mission this month, Kevin, was to read up on some Thor comics. So uh, what we decided to do, again, based on the content that we feel is in this movie, we dove into Jason Aaron's Thor, which, uh, and I spoke on this uh, briefly before the show started, but in my opinion, is uh, the greatest Thor run of all time, but also is competing as one of the greatest comic book runs of all time. And that's because he wrote this comic consistently for seven years uh, and just nonstop through so many changes. You had Thor God of Thunder, which ran for 25 issues. And then you had Jane Foster as Thor for another probably like 25 to 30, maybe even more issues. He had spinoffs of the unworthy Thor. That was a five issue run about, you know, him losing his worthiness. The Thors themselves during secret wars, where it was a, uh, a, did you read that one? Uh, no, that, I, okay, that's that one's really cool. That one's only yeah. four issues, but mm-hmm. it's a, it's like the God squad. All of the Thors of the multiverse are cops. And so they are like, there's certain ones they're det- like Throg is a, is a detective and <laughs> Jane Foster and Thor are partners that, and they all like police all of the different places in battle world, uh, which was really cool concept. So it was just awesome to see him stretch his legs in that regard. Every single storyline felt a little bit different, a little new. I know we talked a bit about the Malekith storyline. It's probably my least favorite of the storylines, but it still was like the art was great. Ron Garney did the art on that one. And uh, I just remember I I read that episode by or issue by issue as the stories came out. So I would say, I know we're going to, we're going to be talking about a couple of specific ones, um, specifically Thor, God of Thunder issues one through 12. And then the second series, Thor, which again is Jane Jane Foster, issues one through eight and the annual. But overall, Kevin, what did you think of? Because I know you said you read a bunch of it of the other ones as well. Um, what did you think of Jason Aaron's run? Uh, yeah, I liked it. I mean, I hadn't, I hadn't really read any Thor comics uh, ahead of this. And um, I remember when the Jane Foster Thor was happening, uh, the, all the marketing around it and like, Oh, there's a new lady Thor and like, who is it and everything. And then remember for issue eight, when it was revealed and everything like that. Um, so I remember when all that happened, but, um, and then I remember as it, the years went on, the, the, everybody was saying, Oh, it's such a great run and whatever, you know? So, uh, starting it, um, with, I thought it was pretty good. You know, I, I enjoyed, um, the, I enjoyed the God Butcher run, you know, but I also, like, I don't have any really other, like, Thor comics to compare it to, you know, so, like, um, or these other writers or whatever, you know, because, like I said, I haven't really, I've only really read Thor in an Avengers context, at least the sure. more recent stuff and whatever, you know, so, um, yeah, I enjoy I enjoyed 
like you said, the the I enjoyed the God Butcher run and like just especially knowing obviously that he's going to be in for Love and Thunder, you know, like uh, figuring all that out and whatnot. So um, doing that, I uh, enjoyed learning all about him and like the backstory and then like knowing, okay, I was figuring out what's going to be um, maybe uh, uh, moved from the comics into the MCU and whatnot, you know, and then uh, like you said, yeah, I, I did keep reading the rest of that um, Thor God of Thunder run just to like finish it out before we got to uh, James Thor and that um, I, like you said, the Malekith story in the middle there, I thought was okay. wasn't the greatest, um, but I did see the seeds that I knew he, cause he's going to do the war, war of the realm storyline, you know? So I like, I see like all those seeds that are like planted. I'm like, it's like pretty much like screaming out there. So like, I wonder like, even then if like commentators or reviewers were like, Oh, is there somebody literally said war of the realms? I was like, is, did they say like, is a war of the realms, like the next big Marvel event or something, you know, like way back then or something, you know, like who knows, but, um, uh, Cause like, I mean, obviously I have hindsight to, and I know what happens, but like I was reading that and I was like, Oh, that's like clearly what this is, you know? So um, yeah. And then the last one before the Jane run with uh, Roxanne and the environmentalist, the environmental stuff, like I thought that was okay. You know, it, it was, it was an okay story. Um, but I definitely liked it more than Malik, the Malekith one, but uh, you know, like I thought it was pretty good. And then I didn't realize, but I, and, but I've since read that, he did the original sin storyline which is the part at the end which is when uh he becomes unworthy you know which i mean i i don't remember if i re read or knew why he's unworthy so i think that's still a spoiler potentially for me i maybe maybe if i when i get to it i'll be like oh i remember this or whatever but um from when it happened but uh as far as i know like i don't know why he's unworthy yet so so that that was the that <laughs> second biggest mystery to me of the mc of the marvel universe the first one being what we interviewed kelly thompson with which is what does hammer stand for because mm. they still have not told us what that is <laughs> uh but for the longest time uh, like Billy Joel would say, it, it we didn't know, and and every single time he tries to tell it, you never really hear it, mm -hmm. and it's in that unworthy Thor five issue miniseries that he he shares what it is. Mm -hmm. If you'd like, I can tell you because it I won't spoil it, but it does tie into this story and into both stories. Um, um, I mean, you could pass for me. I mean, I, like I said, I'll, I'm going to get to it at some point. It's not like it, some uh, crazy <laughs> revelation, but it was like, oh, okay. I guess that actually works out and makes sense. Sure. Um, okay. So, yeah. So, and, and I'll kind of tell you it when we get there, because that, that's part of it. And what's nice yeah. too, for those of you out there, physical collectors as well. I was just perusing, I've been perusing the omnibus with the, the first volume of it, which ends on, uh, uh, I think it ends right after that issue eight. It might have a little bit more than that, but they actually include uh, the excerpts from original sin. So it's issue mm. 25 and then it's like five pages of original sin that shows him losing it. And then it oh, goes in it. and I was like, that's awesome. Like I, I and it doesn't even say it on the back cover that it includes those pages, mm -hmm. um, which was really nice to see. Um, but yeah, so we'll start at the beginning uh, so we can get to that big reveal. Cause who knows me. And that's, what's funny is I don't think, this is going to be one of those cases where, and I think it's going to be for hopefully for our benefit, like Miss Marvel, where they have a lot of these comic book accurate pieces to the movie, but there's a lot that there's no way they're going to be able to cover with this. Mm -hmm. And so they've kind of skipped over that, right? Of like, 
Thor can lift Mjolnir still. He's not unworthy. This is just a second hammer. And we still don't really know. Like this, it, it appears that it's Mjolnir reconstructed mm-hmm. um, by some form or magic. But in the comics, he uh he you know is unable to lift it. And we'll I'll tell you guys why as we get there. Um, so this starts out again. This was uh, this was like primo time to be a comic book fan. This was at the beginning of Marvel Now which was uh and i i loved this time period because i still remember it to this day when they made they made the big announcements and they said we want to make our comic book covers feel more like movie posters where the title of the comic may not exactly be at the very top of the cover it may be somewhere random as long as it fits the art and so you saw a lot of really cool comic book covers um, just as some backstory, but so Thor's story, um, the first six issues is all around first 12. It's all around the God butcher. So Gore, the God butcher, um, you're going to see some, and I have a bunch of comic book shots for everybody. So this first one we'll pull up. This is from one of the first or second issues. Um, this is taken directly. Uh, well, the movie has taken it directly from the comic, but that shot up here at the top is, uh, identical. Uh, mm-hmm. but essentially he, um, is told by, uh, or he, he hears a prayer and this is, I thought was so cool. He like, he hears somebody's prayer, uh, across the cosmos. They pray, they're praying for rain or something like that. There's been no rain. And so he comes there, he brings the storm and he's like, where are your gods? And they're like, we don't have any, like, we've never really had any gods. And he's like, that's kind of weird. And so then he starts to investigate and notices there are a lot of planets and worlds that don't have gods and he starts figuring he's like this is and to me that's like the coolest mystery ever like the fact that gore has been in business for what seems to be a very long time and no one has caught him and so he heads to uh the pure bureaucracy of it's like the the library of worlds where you know the guy who shows up the librarian like already doesn't like thor (laughs) he's like you know oh you're in the wrong area please put your hammer down uh and he's like no i need to find out about these gods and they're like they've gone missing and he's like basically like well when does a god ever go missing like how do you how but also how is like not serious enough? but also how do you define when is it missing like when does missing become an issue like exactly like, right. you know, like for a god like is it like a thousand years is it ten thousand years you know is it like a hundred thousand years you know like that's what he was trying to figure he, he was like questioning of like how long has it been since they've been missing you know <laughs> yep yeah. And so cool, cool in and of itself. Again, there's, if you've never read any of this stuff before it, honestly, like I said, this, these, these 12 issues are so good and such, I feel like such a great primer for this movie. Honestly, you don't even, I mean, you should read the Jane Foster story too. Cause it's incredible as well, but like for the mystery and the intrigue of this, you're like, and it's kind of the same with Jane, right? Of who is, who's under the helmet, but this one's like, who is killing all of these gods. And so you start to see, uh, at the same exact time, the mystery triples and we get not only Thor investigating this, we then get stories from Thor in the future, King Thor, uh, that takes place like a couple thousand years in the future where he is now the king of Asgard. He's one of the few beings left in existence. And again, credit to Jason Aaron. This is his storyline. And I loved this because I was reading some interviews of, uh, you know, that he had done for Jane Foster's Thor and was saying nothing in this should feel new to anybody. He was like, every single thing that I write is from my prior writings. And he was like, you know, and I noticed this too, because there, and I took it off the overlay because it was too small, but there's a piece where King Thor says something to the other Thor when they're fighting Gore towards the end. 
And he's like, do you not understand? I am the way and the wrath and the, the wonder. And Odin says that exact same thing in the Jane Foster issues that we read as well, being the all father too. Uh, and same thing, you know, Roz Solomon shows up in issue 12. Uh, but then she's also the whole storyline for the last days of Midgard. And then she's now suspect number one as to who, mm-hmm. who Jane might be. So he threads these stories throughout. And then the final piece of his run too, is he does a King Thor four issue story where Gore comes back and uh, we figure out why we learn all this. Like he just, he is a master storyteller. And so uh, King Thor in the future is fighting off these black beasts from Gore uh, doesn't really know what's going on, though. We're, we're thrust right into the middle of this story. And then at the same time, young Thor, who is not yet worthy to wield the hammer, he uses Yarnborn, the giant axe, which is uh, very similar to Stormbreaker. Uh, that's kind of, I think some of what they inspired it from Stormbreaker, uh, at least the blade portion of it. But it's like mm-hmm. and I think it gets infused in the Jane Foster run or something to where like that axe can kill God. Like that's one of the the objects that can be used to kind of kill a God. And he is meeting Gore for the first time in the past. And so as present day Thor is investigating, he's starting to get these clues like, Oh, I have a, I think I know who this is. And cause again, yeah. And that's what I love. Like Thor has been around for 1500, 2000 years. So like he forgot, <laughs> mm-hmm. but he's like, Oh, now it's all coming back to me. So we, in the past, we start to see, Thor interacting with Gore for the first time, which is just an absolute nightmare. You know, he's like the hero of uh, Scandinavia, basically. Norse people are worshiping him, and Gore just wrecks shop. He's killing a bunch of people. There are gods falling from the sky. He ends up killing, and I thought that was really interesting. He kills like a Native American god, is from kind of what I took mm-hmm. it. And they, he was like floating across the ocean and got to the shores of Scandinavia, and they're like, what is this going on? But then, you know, Gore shows up. And so super scary. We get, I think it's issue six is the backstory of Gore as well, which I'll pull this up. I thought was a really interesting picture that he lives on a planet that also has no gods or at least no gods that listen. Mm -hmm. And that's, that story is really sad and I love it. He, you know, his whole uh, existence, everyone has told him like, Oh, you need to pray for rain. You need to pray to the gods. If you die, you're going to get to go live in the stars with all of the other gods. And he's like, why are we praying to them if they aren't helping us? Or like, why, why do you die so young here? What, what all of these questions that no one is willing to answer to the point that they exile him. And he's like, well, this is just garbage. Like you guys are living a lie. There's no one here to help you. The days are getting worse. Everyone's dying. Uh, It's like a desert planet basically. Um, But so he sees these two gods fall from the sky fighting and he uh, like helps the the black one sort of and sees him end the the gold one and he was like oh you know can you help me and he's like help you like when did you ever help me and he kills that god too but he takes his weapon which we find out and this is another huge piece of uh, comic book lore is all black the necro sword which donny cates then turns in the future into that is null's blade so that blade is actually, and, and it's funny because you see it, that blade is a symbiote mm-hmm. uh, or is made from the symbiote. So that's why these, t- the black tendrils are everywhere and he sucks the life out of people and all this stuff. What did you think of all of that? Yeah. I mean, I thought um, it was an, in, it's an interesting story approach to do the three storylines like concurrently to have like to show 
so you get bits and pieces of it from like the very beginning of it and then the middle and they all kind of progress like in the same direction like you have your points for each and they all like go in the same direction it's not like the future story goes like back like back and then forward and you know but like everything is all kind of like those three storylines you they pick their starting points and they all kind of go parallel to each other, you know, as, as you're revealing things. Um, yeah. And then Gore, yeah, his story, like, yeah, it's, it's like, I was, that's something I was curious about. It was like, why, like, how did he become a God? But you're like, why, why is he going after the gods? And yeah. And the story that, like you said, yeah, it's him and his community is they're praying to the gods and they're not doing anything. And then after like three major hardships that like affect him, He's just finally like, I'm done. Like, I just don't want to like, why are we praying to these beings that aren't, they're obviously not there or they're not listening or they don't care, you know? And then, yeah, when he gets exiled, he's about to die. And then, yeah, he sees these gods coming and then, yeah, taking the weapon. He's like, he leaves and is like, I've already killed one. Like now, now there must be more. Like I got to go kill those other ones, you know? So, um, yeah. And then the fact uh, reading or, or at least, looking at it knowing later that I didn't know that it was connected to the symbiotes and everything, you know, like I, I thought that was cool just to have that knowledge as, 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 as I was reading all of it and everything, you know, so that was pretty cool. But like, it's going to be interesting, at least in the movie, if, um, cause obviously all the symbiote stuff is like owned or uh, controlled by Sony. So like, but we did have at the end of no way home, the venom, the little venom goop stay on earth. So like, who knows if they're going to, if Sony let them play ball and like have the uh, connection there or something. But, and if they don't, it's like, I wonder if they're even going to mention it or just going to be like, it's a sword that looks sort of similar or something, you know, I don't know. Well, and we also though, didn't we kind of call out that uh, Hella sword and Ragnarok yeah. was basically the incarnation of all black. Um, right. So it'll be interesting to see if that, was that Gore's to begin with, or is that nothing to do with Gore? And again, they change it for the movie where, mm -hmm. and I'm excited for that. Like I'm, I honestly, I'm, I don't think the weapon makes the person. So I am okay with whatever they do. And they've clearly uh, taken some liberties on what Gore looks like too, which makes total sense. Cause he's an absolute creep in the comics. And I don't think that would translate very well into the mm -hmm. movie, um, especially to get any sympathy for him. Uh, but yeah, you're right. So he, he loses, if I'm remembering right, he loses his mom. Yep. Uh, his dad was gone before we knew it, but then he's married with a child and both his wife and his child die. Same well, thing. One of his children, one of his children. Well, it's a, I, I thought it was, uh, they have a child and his wife is pregnant with another child, I believe. And so you again, are correct. Then, yes. Yeah. And then, so yep. the wife and the unborn child, um, die. Yeah. Yeah. And so he essentially kind of takes up this mantle this may or may not be a, a, a something for later, but he basically deems that no god is worthy, uh, no uh, worthy for anything. They're not worthy for worship. They are not worthy to be alive. And so his whole goal is if he eliminates all of the gods uh, and kills all of them, then we can all just go back to living our normal lives. We won't have to worry about relying on uh, these strangers from the stars. Like we can rely on each other and trust each other. And that's what leads to the second uh, arc of this, which is mind blowing reading it a second time through this time. Um, we, we hear about a, uh, there's a God that shows up that, that Thor finds named Shadrach. 
And uh, he says that he's like, I don't even remember what he called. He lies, though. He says, oh, I'm the god of like stories or something like that. He lies and, each time, pretty much. Every time yeah, he, somebody and, asks, yeah. Mm -hmm. And and we it turns out though, and that's the, the you know the the title of this next series is called God Bomb. We find out Shadrach is actually the god of bombs, and so uh, we find at the end of this, uh, Gore reveals uh, again. He says, "I'm the god of bombs." He's like, "I'm sorry, I lied." And we see this giant Death Star on this planet, and it's like, "Oh no, what's been going on?" You even see some hands down there at the bottom of uh, people being tied up. Very crazy. But it turns out uh, that Gore has spent uh, the last like 900 years building this bomb, enslaving gods, capturing them and making them build this bomb. But because again, he used the God of bombs of this, you know, whatever culture that was to create a bomb that kills through time. So not only would it kill all of the gods now, it would kill every single god in the past, in the future. It basically bleeds through time. And it was one of those things where even as I was reading it, I was still like, this is bordering on. It doesn't make sense. <laughs> but it was it was close enough to where I'm hanging on to Thor's hammer for the ride as it carries <laughs> me because it was so cool. But I'm like, how exactly does it work? And then so a piece of it and kind of what ties the three Thors together is there's like a... Um, not a wishing well, but kind of like a reflecting pool mm -hmm. that he finds another God who's like in charge of it on this planet. And essentially this pool, when you drop a little bit of your blood in the pool allows you to travel through time. And so he like spills so much blood in this pool because he needs all of it, right. To be able to, for the bomb to travel everywhere and not just a small portion of time. Um, but that's how both Thor and young Thor end up with King Thor at the point of the bomb being ready to go off in the future. They go through this portal, basically. So again, uh, kind of confusing as you're reading it, but it ends up nice because we get some great shots of all three of them together. They show up and they're like, how do we... And this is after the fact, too, because the young Thor has been captured by Gore and he's crucified. He is put down. He's made a slave to, to build this stuff. He also meets Thor's granddaughters or his own granddaughters, I guess you could say, who are awesome and play a big role in a lot of the future storylines. Um, but here's where you see them for the first time. And uh, so he but he escaped. He ends up escaping uh, and meeting up with the other two Thors. And so we get this uh, thing. Great shot again at the end of it. every single one of these. You'll see they all say to be continued. <laughs> Great splash pages at the end of each of these comic issues, making you want more. Now we let the hammers talk is what the Thor decides. <laughs> and all three of them have hammers. Uh, so we find out in the future now that, and I love this Thor has, or Gore has recreated his family. He has a wife and a son again. And we get his wife, his son says at this point, once it's finally, you killed all the gods, you'll be free. He says, we all will. And he says, I've dreamed of that day for a very long time, but tell me, oh, that's his wife. Uh, what comes after? And that is one of the best questions in this run that Jason does a really good job of kind of answering. And I'll point out too this whole time, this is Esau Ribich who's doing the art, phenomenal art too, really captures the the kind of Norseness of all of it. But um, his wife says the same thing. She's like, this is amazing. You're ba you're a god now, basically. Like, mm -hmm. look what you've done. And he's like, what did you call me? Yeah. And he kills her. And his son, his fake son, sees it happen. And he knows, and that ends up being his undoing, is that his son decides to team up with Thor for a bit. Or his son actually ends up kind of putting the final blow into his dad before disappearing. Uh, but saying, like, 
you you get you've amassed all of this power trying to and it's a classic story right like you've amassed all this power trying to take down those in power but now you've become the person that you hate and he refuses to acknowledge that and uh i just i thought that whole concept that conversation was super interesting that he doesn't see himself as that he still sees himself as the low the low man on the totem pole yet he is beyond powerful at this point yeah, that was a great, like, I, I, I definitely felt as I was reading and like, yeah, I saw the conversations with his wife and his son, like, feeling as though, yeah, Gore had become a god. So it's like, you kept saying, like, what happens after? And you're like, well, yeah, now he's the god. So, like, does that mean he has to, has to like, butcher himself? Or, like, like, what, like, what? You know, like, and so, like, that was the whole question and the paradox of it all and whatnot. But I think at least as we're going to see, I, I wonder if, I don't necessarily think we're going to have like time elements in play for, uh, with a God bomb or anything in the movie. I mean, we might have, right. a God, we might have a God bomb, but I don't know if it, it would probably just be like everybody like here and now. Um, right. And it, maybe like he already built it and just, that's it. Right. But if we do, I mean, I feel like that would be a good way to, if at all of like, if the TVA is involved at all. Cause I mean, that's kind of like been our, Currently, oh, our, sure, our, yeah. our introduction it's like a of form going, of pruning. Yeah, because the um, I'm pretty sure in the in the um comic they were the those that that pool and whatever was like the Chronos God or something or something with Chronos, that's right, you're I right. Think, yep. Yeah, Chrono, so like it was the, like Chron, Chronop, not Chronopolis, but it was something similar to that. Yeah, so I feel like that that could easily become oh well, we have the TVA and like our city and like you know and like all that that stuff so i feel if that is involved like i don't think it is but i think if it would be i think the tva would be a good vessel for that part of the story but it's interesting though that if it is in the present like so far we've seen obviously the the norse gods with asgardians we have just been introduced to egyptian gods with uh moon knight and then we still have some god the wakandan gods in theory you know so like those are like our three areas of uh, and i guess maybe the eternals technically might be gods in a sense to some people you know so like um and i guess out in space we have celestials those are those are like space gods or whatever you know so i guess those are like our pillars of gods but i feel like we're gonna see a bunch of, like like what this story did of like just showed like these very like in these other cultures, these gods right, like are really like, random. Or, gods. Yeah, random. Yeah, and I think that's what a lot of the deaths are going to be, you know, because it you can't introduce all these like giant gods that either in our like our world's mythology or in the comics mythology of every like the like we haven't even gotten the the Olympians really. I mean, we see Zeus is going to be in this, you know, but like you can't just like introduce those like right away and then if without like building them up some you know like i think some like like we've all speculated like nobody thinks zeus is going to be long for this world because of right. all of that you know but like like but uh so yeah i think a lot of those smaller random gods are going to be much of the folly for the god butcher and such you know but in terms of the comic storyline yeah having the having all three of them come to that future point and then working together to help destroy the bomb and, you know, and everything. And it's, um, yeah, it just, it, it was an interesting approach and storyline to like get all these three versions. Cause I, I think even at the end, they're like, 
uh, King Thor like uses the the All Father power and the Odin Force to they all get sent back, but then like they lose their their memories of all that because you know they Jason Aaron cleans up the time travelness and the rules and all you know so like he cleans it up so that like they were all there when yeah. they needed to be and then they like they go away and they they don't ever remember the futures at least for the other two the futures of what's happening and everything so yeah yeah very very uh, convenient but again i'm on the seat of my pants so i'm like just that's fine i'll take it um so yeah they get to a point again where they're, they're fully tag teamed i'm about to share with you an amazing splash page of mm-hmm. uh it says then struck thor with the fury of a billion storms as all three of them go after gore down there in the bottom right corner uh, and it was an absolutely epic fight. There's uh, King Thor shooting uh, Odin Force out of his fist. Insane. Love this part of the bottom again. Esad just killing it on the art with mm-hmm. uh, Gore looking absolutely terrified. It says the Butcher of God's new fear, uh, which is crazy. But then we find out again like that there's nothing they can do to stop the bomb going off. So what happens Thor absorbs the bomb using both Mjolnir's, mm-hmm. which was insane. And again, it says every god in all the universes closed their eyes and prayed to Thor. Like it's yeah, it's so metal. I love it. Um, and then we see Thor completely engrossed in black, and uh, he's like, "No, give it back!" But then we get another gorgeous splash page of him just wrecking gore again gore must be very powerful because i don't know i feel like one hammer would have done me in but two hammers plus the lightning plus uh the symbiote is not enough um and uh again he, he ends up coming back and it's interesting in the uh in the future i won't spoil how he comes back it makes total sense and it's not because he wanted to come back. He actually is very pissed that he has <laughs> to come back because he's, oh, what does he say? Okay, so no, and it's not that big a deal. So basically in this scene, essentially what happens is afterwards, Thor sends the entire planet, the whole bomb, gore, the necro sword, everything into a black hole. Yeah. And uh, what Gore reveals is that in that black hole, he became trapped inside of the necro sword. And he says all that he had was him, his thoughts, and complete darkness. And he said, for the first time in my life, I was happy and I was at mm-hmm. peace. And so so I don't remember what it was that caused him to come back, but he is so mad that he did. But I was like, a fitting end for him, right? Like, he's dead. He can't do much more harm, but he also gets what he wants, which was to not have to stress anymore. So it ended up being all's well that ends well. We get a great bit here, too, that I thought was a little bit of foreshadowing. We see in, like, the sixth issue, he goes to visit Jane, finds out she has cancer, um, mm-hmm. and she doesn't want the help. But then in this scene, uh, same, he goes back after his battle to visit, and she's like, don't you dare help me or whatever. But he's like, well, let me at least take you somewhere. And so he takes her to the moon. And so that adds up as to how did Jane end up on the moon to pick up Mjolnir? Well, now I'm remembering, right? She's been there before. So she knew how to get there when it called her. Um, we also get, yeah, so look, he says, you know, breathtaking as they sit there and watch the sunrise over Earth. Uh, and then we get, again, another, I'd argue you could say the throwaway issues, issue, issue 6 and 12, but they're very important because you've got Gore's backstory, different artist, mm-hmm. and then on this one, funny enough, it's Nick Klein who does the art, mm-hmm. um, who's doing current Thor right now with Donny Cates. But we get uh, the intro of Roz Solomon. Mm-hmm. Yep. And so she even says here too, she says, I'm uh, 
more like an environmental scientist, but with a gun. Mm -hmm. uh, and she goes, I don't know if I get a flying car or not. And you see in some of the Jane Foster run when she comes in, it says, you know, Roz Solomon, an environmentalist, but with a gun. And she's using a flying car. So she ends up getting what she wants, um, which was great. Again, that that 12 issue 12 sets a lot of Easter eggs for the rest of the run. We get a bit about Malekith. And so it's like, oh, there's your prep for War of the Realms. You get the Roz bit. You get the Roxxon bit. Um, I love everything about Roxxon. I love that. Just Dario Agar is one of my favorite villains because he's mm -hmm. so smart and cunning and he's a minotaur. And so we get to kind of see that as we jump into Jane Foster. But again, from that space, Thor has a couple more adventures and then he ends up in Original Sin where uh, Nick Fury from space, uh, Cyber Nick Fury, who has the eye of the watcher, he knows everybody's secrets. He whispers to Thor, Gore was right. And that is what causes him to drop his hammer because Gore said no God is worthy. And uh, he b apparently believed him. I still struggle with that because I'm like, just because someone says it doesn't really mean that it's true. But apparently it was for Thor. And that was enough of a sting to be like, wow, I guess you're right. Gore was right. And so he drops the hammer and he can no longer lift it uh, until he figures out, you know, what that means, I guess. We don't really get a lot of answers, at least right now. But so what happens is we see someone else pick up the hammer uh, in absolutely gorgeous Russell Dowderman fashion. Esad, I love you, buddy. You're doing great on Eternals. You did great on Thor. But Russell, man, welcome to the party. He, Russell's one of my favorite artists of all time. His, uh, his color, I mean, the colors, I think is Matt Wilson who does the colors, but just the crispness, the life that's brought in through here, the way he designs lightning, the way he designs clouds, all of it just feels so real and perfect. And, and uh, it's the opposite of static, very kinetic. Um, and then the, again, the colors are just gorgeous. But yeah, so we, we get a, a tale from Thor issues one through eight of her um, not only battling Roxxon and Malekith, uh, the frost giants have invaded to uh, steal back a skull that Roxxon got from, you know, Antarctica or something like that, or the bottom of the ocean. Uh, the skull of Lafi, actually, who is dead. And uh, but at the same time, she's trying to fight. At the same time, Thor is trying to come to grips with not being worthy. Why someone else picked it up? Why it was a? Why it was this person that picked it up? We still again don't know who it is. But we get a lot of classic tropes in here about why is a woman wielding the hammer from Odin specifically, who has a great storyline in here, too, where he is basically like the old boomer at this point. And I, this drove me nuts, but also was like made total sense for beings that have been together for millennia, like him and his wife. He just shows up and he's like, all right, woman, I'm back. And it's like, OK, but she's still in charge and he keeps acting like she's not. He brings in Cull from fear itself, which was the prior uh, Thor run with Matt fraction. And he is a bad, bad guy. And no one's, I mean, people are like, he's a bad guy, but no one's doing anything about it. And so you've got these warring factions and that ends up being kind of the beginnings of the war of the realms, the beginnings of the downfall of Asgardia of just this idea that there was some measure of peace when Frigga was running things. And now that Odin's here, it's like, it's it, Odin's essentially Trump in this uh in this is how i would describe it just very curmudgeonly and and uh he tries to steal back the hammer from from uh uh stop the steal is probably what he was <laughs> saying as as the what'd you what'd you make of uh, these jane issues yeah i thought it was a good um it played well with the mystery of who the character was because it's i think it's in the 
fur yeah the first issue right before we see the splash page of her holding the hammer like uh odin and uh freya are like having uh odin's like upset that thor can't lift the hammer anymore or whatever and they're like all on the moon around him and like and everything and then you get like a look at her at freya and then you see the hammer change from the inscription to say like be she worthy or whatever you know so i i didn't i wondered if obviously because you know i know it was jane it was like i wondered if she adjusted the um the, the curse or something ah. like if she was the one to adjust it to then make uh, like to make it open to anybody or like whatever you know because she was like to spite him or whatever but that was a good tease of like oh is thor like freya because of um her doing that or like the way that the panels were laid out it made it look like she was going towards the hammer and was able to lift it but then you know yeah as we go through the issues either by thor or just by the way the story unfolds like jason aaron like knocks down all the the various characters who potentially could be it you know and there's the great the great scene of thor like making a giant scroll of everybody yep. that of everybody that he thinks you know and um, and it was a good i mean i don't know how i would have felt as it came out but i thought like reading it was a good misdirect obviously of establishing jane with the uh cancer back in that issue 12 you know and then like in this series in like four or five or or it was issue six or issue six yeah yeah you like lead with that because you forget about it in issue seven and so then you're not thinking about it that it's jane anymore so it was like really smart play right yeah it was a good misdirect of like clearly reestablishing. oh she is like so weak and like the cancer or whatever and like also maybe more or less trying to say not that this is necessarily the case, but like if somebody does have cancer, they're probably not worthy to, to like hold the powers of a God or anything, you know, like that. So like, it definitely was, yeah. Like, uh, the, the establishing of trying to go through it. And I mean, I thought, I, I mean, I, again, no, obviously knew it was Jane, but like, I feel I, as I was going, I think I definitely probably would have thought it was Roz, um, um, the shield agent, you know, because right. uh, to me, it w- to me, it, it, my understanding, it was like, oh, they're trying to do a new Thor. They're going to be a, a woman or whatever, you know, it's like, and this Raj just got introduced in this series. Like, okay. Like that's like clearly like, they're like, they're just trying to set this person up. So you have this like new character, like all part of Marvel now and like whatever of like, you got new characters, right. new mantles and everything like that, you know? So then, <laughs> then it's a great scene when he's like at, at, in the last issue, they've just um, beat the frost giants and everything. And he, he's like, I like, I'm not mad that you have the hammer. I may be a little jealous, like sure, whatever, but like, just tell me like Roz, like, why are you like, why are you worthy and whatever? Like, please just tell me. And, and Jane's like, Oh, like, I don't know, whatever. And then like, he's just like, please Roz. And then like up in the sky and the, the, she comes out and he's like dumb he's got like this like wait like double taken look on his face and yep. just like like wait what you're not Roz and then she just and then Jane just leaves and then yeah that's how it ends she goes back to Asgard and D Thor's and you're like oh it's it's her and such so yeah and I, I loved the choice too it felt so special that we knew who it was but that mm-hmm. everyone in the story still didn't back when it came out my guess was Freya because when I was reading it, you'll remember the last scene before the hammer was her looking back at the hammer. And, right. and I was like, ah, what if it's her? And that's how she gets back at Odin. 
Right. Um, so that's I was shocked I was too, but that's then when it came saying, out, yeah. it was like, who else could it have been? Like this was the perfect choice. It was the obvious choice and they did such a good job of subvert subverting it. And uh, yeah, so I was very pleased with that. She does a great job as Thor. I love the idea. And this is something I'd be curious if you think this shows up in the movie. Um, obviously there's no secret as to who she is in the movie, um, mm -hmm. unless they make it. So all the trailers show her helmet as having her eyes open. Right. Whereas in the, you know, in the comic, that part's covered too. So you yeah. never see. Her she eyes. also doesn't have blonde hair and uh, exactly i don't know the maybe, the yeah. hair, maybe they're gonna make it lighter i don't know it definitely looked lighter than normal because yeah. it, it looked like it had highlights in it it did okay. not look like it was full blonde yeah but that did, was a big giveaway too was like okay this person has hair jane doesn't have any hair yeah i did um, i did read uh an interview that um it was about what natalie portman did to get into the like get her jacked arms and everything but it said because she's like five two five three or something and and i guess apparently in the movie the mighty thor is six feet is tall oh, so wow. they were just so they were just talking about like this like ramp or like this uh this uh or whatever that they had to use for filming so that uh jane or um, natalie portman could walk next to chris hemsworth and like be like a similar height or whatever and, that's like, pretty cool and then like they were saying like Chris like had to like hop over it or whatever, but like still make his like upper torso be like not look like he's like oh, hopping wow. or so, you know. Like but it sounded like they were they were trying to as best they could like without like just cutting her out and then like stretching her or, or you know whatever uh, whatever yeah. they were gonna do or whatever. But uh, so I thought that was interesting because at least in this these eight issues, as far as well, we didn't obviously see her not as Jane or whatever, but we didn't really tell uh, tell if there was a height difference you know with the, the drawing on the page at least in this series so far you know um so um yeah that'll be interesting like you said in the movie what obviously it, it appears that it's more of a well of a known thing that it's not really there's not really a mystery behind right. who it is and part of me uh wonders too because if you remember, and I, I loved the way that he did, he wrote it like this, but like her mental notes or her her thought bubbles were very unsure, very naturally spoken. Uh, and and when you read it again, and you're like, it's Jane Foster, you're like, yep, all of this lines up with how Jane would speak. But when she speaks as Thor, she's completely different. She's a mm -hmm. complete badass. Her words often contradict what she's thinking. There was a moment too. I remember what she was talking about. She was like. How do I know that? It was some mm -hmm. something yeah. about some history of Asgard. And she mm -hmm. was like, how do I even know that as she was saying it? And so I'm, I'm curious if that will play a part in this as well. Or if it's just, again, I'm just so curious to see because they're obviously embracing the Jane Foster identity. But what other pieces of the comic are they embracing? Because I, I saw um, a small interview real briefly where she was saying, you know, Taika Waititi, and I'm sure they do this with everybody, right? But like gave her the Jane Foster comics to read. So she knows what the character is in the comic. So I'll just be curious to see what's different because again, I'm easy peasy either way. I, I think she's a new enough character, just like Miss Marvel, where the MCU's in a great spot to be able to define who this is. Um, and I guess time will only tell what uh, what kind of happens next with her character. Do you think that she is a Thor Love and Thunder character or do you think she's an MCU character? I hope she's an MCU character. But I have a feeling she could just be a Thor Love and Thunder and maybe one other thing, maybe. I just knowing who Natalie Portman is, and I mean obviously she had 
not necessarily bad blood, but like there was some like after Love and right. Dark World, like obviously she didn't appear again, and like I I think she definitely was didn't as far as I know I think didn't was didn't have the best time on Dark World, you know, and then obviously once, but that was all partially because of the the story committee and everything that was involved and everything like that, you know, and obviously um, when. Kevin Feige and Taika like reached out for this one or whatever. She definitely, she got to play something that wasn't just a love interest. And, you know, and that's also what Taika and Kevin Feige and then Chris Hemsworth, they didn't want to do with the character anyways, you know? So I would love to, yeah, I would love to have her continue with Chris Hemsworth or just by herself as like the Thor character on this new Avengers team that we're hopefully going to get or something, you know, but I also feel there's, um, I think I saw, a brief quote i didn't really see the whole thing but like chris hemsworth and kevin feige were saying like they they're just starting to scratch the surface of oh, yeah. all the other thor types like because i mean there's still beta ray bill we could have a uh, frog um thunderstrike you know so it's possible we could get other or uh, valkyrie could become the thor-esque character in the mc or something you know so um i i i would i can see I'll put it this way. I can see Tessa Thompson sticking around more at this point than Natalie Portman would, you know? Sure. So, so I think they're, they're going to leave hopefully Valkyrie in a, either as Valkyrie or a Valkyrie Thor esque hybrid or something as like the Thor character maybe, but I would, yeah, I'd love to have Natalie Portman and Jane stick around uh, past this movie, um, especially to have like team ups with, other people and other characters would be. Yeah. Cause she was on the Avengers for a while during right. that same time period. She was on the all new Avengers along with it was her and here, maybe we do that. Right. That was the Mark Wade run. It was her, um, uh, Sam Wilson as yep. captain America, miss Marvel, uh, Viv vision, Nova, uh, basically all the champions kids plus mm-hmm. them. I think maybe Spider-Man was in it as well. Um, but yeah, there's, you know, there's another team. The thing I will say too, is if they don't kill her in this movie, I bet you they'll make another one because Kevin Feige said in an interview, and maybe that was the same one where he said that they haven't even told the greatest Thor stories yet. Mm. And I was like, that's pretty brave to say before this movie comes out. (laughs) But some of the future Jane Foster stories in this run are absolutely incredible, including the last one, which is the death of Thor. And that to me is probably one of the best stories ever, because again, she's having to deal with this fact that every time you don't see it in these eight issues, she doesn't explain it yet, but every single time she powers up the might of Mjolnir, the power of Thor is canceling out her cancer treatment. Mm -hmm. So every time she does it, she's dying faster. So eventually she will die. She does die. Uh, But that whole thing is completely beautiful. She gets to go to Valhalla. She gets to come back as a Valkyrie. Um, So there's a lot of cool stories for her to be told. It just depends. Like you said, is Natalie Portman willing to do it? I hope so. I want her to, but I know her too. I I wouldn't be surprised if she said no. And this was a one-time deal. And if so, do they make that the whole story for this? I hope not because that's a lot to fit in one movie. That's less than two hours. Yeah. And I think I, as much as I want, I enjoy the aspect of her having the cancer and everything. And they've kind of hinted, but it's still kind of tiptoed around that for the MCU. Like I, yeah. I, I wouldn't, I kind of don't want that to an extent. Cause like I, I want, I would want Jane Thor to like stick around. Like I don't, I want, I'd want it so that they're, they either find a balance of um, 
like she does do something and the cancer kind of uh goes away and then so she, but she's still worthy to have thor or like or it's something where she's just like in this con this like it's a frozen state essentially where she's like she's dying slowly but maybe not as fast or you know just, just so that we would like you said not unlike the comics where she would die and be come back as a valkyrie like I'd, I'd like her to like stay as the thor yeah like they could if, they could know that to you know, the point yeah. where we we know maybe we know she has cancer in this movie but we don't know what the effects of being thor are and maybe you find that out at the end of another movie that like, oh, every time she's doing this, it's, you know, taking away her treatment. So you still get like another movie, maybe put her in a show, put her in another movie by that time. Again, I think that's a lot to ask from uh, Miss Natalie Portman, mm -hmm. but uh, I, I'll ask it. Send me there and I'll, yeah. I'll ask it in person. I'm not afraid to say, please just stay with us a little longer. <laughs> Um, but yeah, so I, I'm not sure. Uh, but overall, like I said, story, I think these stories are perfect for anyone wanting to uh, scratch the surface for this movie to maybe go into it with a little bit of comic book knowledge. Or if you're watching this after the movie to go, you know, go check it out. Were any of our predictions on this show right? I'll be uh, very curious to see. We are, as of this premiering, we are two days away from Thor coming out. I'm super excited for this movie. Um, you got tickets to go see it yet? I do. Yes, I'm going uh, with our good friend Ryan from the Agents of Field podcast nice. uh, because we are both in the same city, so uh, we can uh, go together. And also with my uh, a couple of my other friends. So yeah, we're gonna we're doing Dolby Cinema this time. We usually do IMAX, but uh, we uh, chose to do Dolby Cinema. And uh, assuming I like it, then I'll I'll probably go back to IMAX to see it because the one we go is a really giant screen and it's really great to watch these films on. So, but we'll awesome. see, we'll see how Dolby cinema uh, ends up. I'm a big Dolby fan. I'm going to see it in Dolby twice. So um, we'll see if there's any 3d aspects to this. Maybe I'll try and see it in 3d too, but we will have all of that here. So as you guys see this again, our next episode will be our Thor review uh, that myself and Anthony from Agents of Field are going to be diving into and talking about. So look forward to that. But for now and for Comics and Cinema, Kevin, thank you for coming. Uh, I'm your host, Alex Klein, and we will see you at the movie. <laughs>